Thank you. Praise God. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a few minutes. And I'm, I'm glad you said sweating. I'm take off my jacket if it is allowed. God bless you. Well, I need you to turn to the person next to you and tell them this is the day. Now look at someone else and just smile at them. Show them the very beautiful 32s you have in your mouth, whether they are brown and they are white. <laughs> just show it to them and tell them this is the day it all happened. This is the day of my victory. And tell them that today... Today, my divine influence is rising to another level. And if you believe that, put your hands together. Give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. He's worthy. You know, I'm very excited and I'm going to need some company whilst I, I mean, at the onset here. So you stand with me for a few minutes. And when I see fit, I'll ask you to sit down. Resurrection Sunday. Oh, Resurrection Sunday. You know, this, this morning I was just reading a few things. And, and God has a way of, he has a way of showing you things you've never seen before. You know, and I was just reading. I thought, no, I've never seen this. I've never seen it before. You remember when Jesus Christ hanged on the cross, you know, he said a lot of things. You know, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then finally, he said, it is finished. And I'd really never seen this before. He said, it is finished. And Matthew said, Matthew's account, he said, and he gave up the spirit or he gave up the ghost. You see, Jesus actually was not overtaken by death. He, handed, he said, death, come and take me here. You see, for you and I, we would succumb to death. But he said, it is finished. Okay, death, you can, you can come and take over. He was still in control. He was still in control. <laughs> you know, they put him in the tomb. This is not my introduction. It's just, uh, you know, just saying a few things to you. I'll get in the introduction, I'll tell you when I start. You know, they put him in the tomb. And at dawn, the Bible says some, some angels from heaven came and rolled away the stone. You see, do you realize that the stone was not rolled away so Jesus can come out? No. The stone was rolled away so that everyone can come and see that he is not there. Because he doesn't need an exit. <laughs> he doesn't. If you can overcome death, then you can walk through walls. Remember when the disciples were together, doors were locked, he appeared. So he didn't need a stone to be rolled away. And know what the soldiers said? The soldiers said, oh, you know what? Whilst we were, uh, we were watching uh, um, um, uh, the tomb, whilst we were watching it, uh, and when we fell asleep, his disciples came and stole it. And I was just thinking that if you were asleep, how would you know who came to steal the body? You were asleep. You see, there is no way that you can write out the resurrection. Because it, everything for the child of God hinges on it. So much so that Paul said, if there is no resurrection, then we are all men the most miserable. But you are not, I am not miserable. We are excited, we are joyful because he rose. Because he is our risen king. If somebody here is excited about the fact that Jesus is risen, you need to put those beautiful hands together. Give it to Jesus because he is worthy, he is worthy, he is worthy. And at this point you can sit. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, it is always a joy. It's always with such um, excitement that I come to Tower of Faith. 
because as Pastor Andy rightly said, I'm part of uh, this history, or rather, I've been here at certain critical times, you know. Uh, some of you were not here at the Great Flats, but I, I remember those flats, Noah's Flats. When I say that, those who were there would understand it, uh, you know. And it's a privilege for God to uh, kind of connect me and call me alongside this ministry to view the many and the very critical stages when God begins to make changes and God begins to shift this ministry in its agenda and the vision that God has given it uh, to another level. It's always a joy to do that, especially since this is my first time of coming here in the year 2022. Uh, you know, I feel very privileged and very excited. So I just want to give uh, uh, the respect, the salute uh, to the patriarch of the house, uh, you know, um, uh, Pastor Alfred, who is not here, and uh, his lovely wife, Pastor Joyce. And I want to extend my, you know, greatest uh, um, uh, what do I call it, appreciation, because it's not always uh, what people repose such trust in you uh, that you can walk in, take a pulpit, and go away, especially in this day and age that there is a lot happening uh, in the church community. So I want to salute them. I want to salute them. And of course, uh, they say that uh, teamwork makes the dream work. And, uh, and the wonderful team that they have together, Pastor Andy and uh, all the wonderful uh, young adults, I would have called them young, but they are not young anymore, the young adults in the house and, and the very beautiful faces. I know uh, some of our masks are obscuring our faces, but I can see you all, and I want to salute you all for the wonderful work that you do. It is our collective effort, and it is uh, our contributions, and, and it is what we supply to the body that pushes us and brings us to the point where God can fulfill his agenda with us. We're not here for ourselves. Yes, indeed, uh, as we are, we come along with God. We get some benefit along the way. We get some benefit along the way. Just in case uh, sometimes you begin to think that the blessings that are coming your way is for you. I'm here to bless your Bible. The blessings are giving you to establish his kingdom, though you get to enjoy uh, some of it. Uh, and, and it is for that that I want to say God bless you to everyone and I want to encourage you all to continue in what you do. And especially on this Resurrection Sunday, I believe that God has something special earmarked for us, set aside for us. And I want to say this without any fear of a contradiction that uh, you will not walk out the same way you came in. I am confident in the God that I have prayed to, that whatever I ask, he will do it. And so I believe, though it may not be visible, something for me will happen in you. I believe that. The word of God is life and it is spirit. And when we come under its influence, it, it, it changes, it affects changes, it brings transformations our way. For some of you, there may be a physical evidence. Others, there would not be. But you begin to see those results as you step foot out of here. And if you believe what I said, say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Well, today I want to speak to you uncharacteristically of uh, um, uh, a subject that we would not expect on Resurrection Sunday. Against all odds. Turn to somebody and tell them against all odds. Say that again, against all odds. And Father, we ask for your presence. Be with us. Take us. Lead us into the truth. And let your truth set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'm going to read from the book of Revelations. I'm going to read from the book of Revelation. It's a book that uh, um, we don't preach from. Many pastors will not preach from this book. And I like to say that many Christians will not even read from the book of Revelation. I remember when I first got born again, 
It was a book that I loved to read because it excited me with all the seven horns and with all those caricatures in there. There was an excitement. It was like a sci-fi movie, you know? It's excitement. Though new believers are encouraged to read maybe Genesis or John, you know, I like to say even many unbelievers would like to read the book of Revelation. There's something that draws you to it. But you see, unfortunately, because of uh, its subject matter, you know, uh, eschatology, we'll call it the study of the end times, uh, there are so many schools of camps. There are camps as to the interpretations of it. Uh, there are the premillennial, there are the amillennial, all kinds of camps. Uh, and sometimes people can be very dogmatic about their interpretation of the book. Uh, there are those who believe Jesus will come before the tribulation. Now, if you have no idea, of this, don't worry, those who do uh, would, would know what I'm talking about and the, those who believe that he will, uh, he will come after the tribulation and as a result these camps, some can be so dogmatic that if you don't believe in their camp of interpretation, sometimes you are treated like a publican you know, or you are considered even not born again but you see, that's what this book does, it conjures a whole lot of camps and, and because because of uh, the importance of it, I believe that the study of the end times is very important. But what we need to know is that the book of Revelation is all about symbols, it's all about metaphors, it's all about these visions that were shown to John of the end times. And today my choice of scripture is from there. Revelation chapter 17, against all odds. Revelation chapter 17... And I'm reading verses 12 to 14. 12 to 14. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour as kings with a beast. These are of one mind and they would give their power and authority to the beast. These will make war with the lamb, and the lamb would overcome, for he is Lord of lords and king of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Are called chosen and faithful. And I'd like you to quickly, if you can put First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verses 25 on there for me. That's the second scripture we'll read. And uh, all other scriptures I'm going to quote. Okay. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I would like you to leave this on the screen for us. Now, I'm going to make three prophetic statements. Those of you that believe in prophecy, you can say amen. <laughs> you can say amen to whichever of the prophecies uh, you believe in. All right. Uh, you see, because of the resurrection and because of Christ rising from the dead, we can do, we can be, and we can see all God says we can see. Is that true? We can be what God says we can be. We can see what he says we can see. We can be where he says we can be. And we can do whatever God says we can do. A statement is true. And every one of us said, amen to that. Second statement. We can be, we can do, we can see, we can have whatever God says. We can have even in adversities. Amen. That's true. We can be that even in adversities. Now let me take it a step further. Give you another statement. We can be, we can do, we can have, we can see what, whatever God says we can see only in adversities. I didn't have a lot of amens here. Only in adversities. Now, whilst the two first two statements will be accepted and, and a lot of amens will go, the third statement will not be, many will not, it will be very disputed in certain circles because what I will be suggesting is that God can only do with us and he can only do 
what he says he can do in our lives when we are in adversity. Or when we are in discomfort. But I'm here to tell you that statement is true. That statement is not only spiritual. That statement is from heaven. <laughs> All three statements are true. Especially the last statement. And hence I am suggesting to you and I. That you see God can do with us. We can be what he wants us to be. Only when adversity and discomfort persist. Only when we are out of our comfort zone. Now let me show you what I mean. In Matthew's Gospel chapter 14, Jesus uh, gives, uh, we, we, we have the account there of Jesus' uh, experience with the disciples where he tells them, uh, uh, go to the other side. He sends them in a boat. He said, go to the other side of the lake uh, of Galilee. And, and he sends them out. And you would have thought that if God said, go to the other side, they would not encounter any problems. But then on the sea, there was a storm. Now, that tells you and I that when God sends you uh, <laughs> storms, there was a storm on the sea. And I believe that their boat was filling with water. Now, now that wasn't a cruise liner they were in, no. It wasn't, you know, uh, some of these present-day yachts that are so technologically, uh, I mean, built so much so that they can withstand storm. Uh, these were boats of the old time, uh, and when there were storms, the boats, they do what? They fill up with water. And when you read Mark's account, uh, you read there that the disciples were trying to bail out the water from the boat, uh, you know. So, you see what I'm saying? There are storms. The boat is being tossed here and there. We're trying to bail out the water and out in the mist. Jesus is walking towards them. But they didn't know that it was Jesus. In fact, they said it was a ghost. That was, so I want you to put yourself in that position. There's a storm. You are in fear of your life. And a ghost is also coming towards you. <laughs> <laughs> But of course, Jesus said, it is I, do not be afraid. Now, I need you to hear me and listen to this, because I want to show you something here. So, Peter sees Jesus, and Peter says to Jesus, bid me to come to you. Now, what Peter was asking is that, get me also to walk on the water to you. Now, I want you to see this. Peter was standing in water in the boat. Yeah, And yet he was asking Jesus, now let me come to you walking on water. Now, if Peter wants to walk on water, he can walk on water in his boat. <laughs> but you see, God will not allow that. He would only allow Peter to get out of the boat. Why? Because the boat still remains his comfort zone. At least, uh, if I try to walk on water in the boat and I fail, my feet will land at the bottom of the boat. Peter could only walk on water outside of the boat, not inside of the boat. Because inside the boat still remains his comfort zone. But outside, he was kicked picked out of his out of his comfort zone. Now, now this is what I'm saying here. Miracles will only happen outside your comfort zone, not in your comfort zone. Miracles will only happen when you are in discomfort, not when everybody, everything is good around you. Are you all hearing me? And so God's glory is only manifested and God's word, that which he has said concerning you, only comes through when you are in adversity. Are you here with me? Okay. Abraham. God calls Abraham. Genesis chapter 12. He says to Abraham, <laughs> Abraham gets thee out of 
your father's house. <laughs> Get thee out of your community to a land I will show you. Now, this is a very strange command. <laughs> he said, Abraham, get out of your father's house. Get away from your family to a land that house. You know, if God said to Abraham, Abraham, I am taking you to Milken Kings. So, get out of your family. <laughs> get out of your town. Now, we can understand that. But you see, God wants to put Abraham in a discomfort zone. <laughs> he wants to put Abraham out of any comfort whatsoever. Put Abraham in an adversity. Because in your father's house, you are familiar with everything. In your father's house, you have comfort. But God is saying, come out of there and then I will show you. I am here to submit to you. Um, uh, my brothers, my sisters, uh, I'm here to submit to you that you see, <laughs> what we call miracle and what we call the glory of God is only revealed when the odds are against you. When the odds are against you. You see, many of us are in our boats and we still want miracles. <laughs> you can't be in your boat. <laughs> And God will show up. God shows up when there is nothing to hold on to. God shows up when there is nothing you can depend on. God shows up when everything that you know has failed to work. Now let me define a miracle for you. A miracle itself is any occurrence that is beyond human comprehension or is inexplicable. That's what a miracle is. A miracle is uh, any act from God that we cannot explain. Actually, when a miracle happens, what has happened is that natural laws have been suspended for spiritual laws. To take effect. And so in our lives, constantly there is the conflict between the natural and the spiritual. And for the spiritual to take effect, the natural has to be suspended. For Peter to walk on water, get out of the boat, step on water, and I believe at the point where the soles of the feet of Peter meets the water... The water solidifies. Now that is against every scientific law. I mean, the scientists here, you can tell me. I, I did science a long time ago. It's all gone out of my head. But this one I know. This one I know. Miracles cannot be explained. And they only happen in our discomfort zone. And for a miracle to happen, every natural law has to be against you for God to show up. You know, I, I remember reading a while back where this, uh, is, what do you call it? Is it religious studies or Bible study knowledge? Uh, what you would do, you do in school, yeah? Um, um, you know, I've done some things in theology, you know. Gosh, I won't go back. To do this theology stuff again. You know. Why you have to explain. Why some miracles can happen. Uh, are not possible. Hmm? For example. Why, why could, could Peter walk on water? It could be that the, the lake was frozen. You get there. And these are the things they get us to do with our minds. And so this religious... Uh, Studies teacher was just teaching this young man and said, the young man was excited about the Red Sea. How God parted the Red Sea for, for the Israelites. And he said, he said, young man, no, no, no. The Bible doesn't tell you all the facts. It doesn't give you the full fact. Actually, they didn't cross the Red Sea. They, call, they crossed the Reed Sea. You know, it's, it's, it's a vast place of reeds. And, and you know, the, the depth of the water was about just a foot high. 
and said they actually waded through. He said that to the young man. The young man just thought for a minute and said, wow. He was a Holy Ghost Pentecostal guy. He said, praise God. This is even a bigger miracle. So the religious studies teacher was wondering, what, what are you talking about? He said, wow, for God to drown a whole Egyptian army in one foot depth of water, that's even a miracle. You cannot explain away a miracle. You cannot. But for it to happen in your life, you have to be outside your comfort zone. The art has to be against you. You see, it is as though God likes it. God gets more glory when the odds are against us. When every natural law <laughs> is against you. It seems as if that's what God loves. And hear me, you are walking into a season like that. I said you're walking into a season like that. And you know, you don't, you know, you don't people don't say amen to such prophecies. You see, it's because God wants to put you in the miracle zone. <laughs> the miracle zone is when all odds are against you. There is a zone in your life, uh, you know, as you live your life, where miracles become possible. But you see, when you come to a point where no odds are against you, miracles are not necessary. They are neither necessary or are they going to happen. Take you through the Bible and I'll show you. You know, and there are people in the Bible who, who intentionally push themselves into a miracle zone. <laughs> Remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, where they needed to prove who was God, either Baal or the Almighty God. So the prophets of Baal started, they built their altar, they, you know, they slaughtered the bulls, placed it on them, they call uh, their God Baal, they slashed themselves with knives as part of uh, the protocol of uh, calling on Baal. Nothing happened. Then it was the turn of Elijah. Do you know what Elijah did? He did exactly what he did. Built an altar, placed a sacrifice on it. Then Elijah said, dig trenches <laughs> around the altar and pour water on it. <laughs> pour water on it. You see why? Because if Elijah prayed and, and uh, uh, the altar was caught in fire, we can still try to explain it. Uh, that, you know, there was some hidden flint in the wood that, uh, uh, um, you know, at the side of water, whatever, it coincided with uh, when Elijah, we, that's what we do. But Elijah said, pour water on it. <laughs> it is water. That is inflamed. Uh, it is fire that is inflamed by water. That's a natural impossibility. It's a natural. Elijah pushed himself into that zone for a miracle uh, to happen. Hear me, somebody. I'm here to tell you that against all odds, God can lift you over. You know, I'm saying that when discomfort and when, you know, impossible situation persists, you are in the miracle zone. Don't pray for a miracle when everything is well. You don't need it. You don't need one. First, Chronicle, uh, First Corinthians chapter 1. Uh -huh. First Corinthians 1 and verse 25. Please put it on there. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now you see, this text gives me a lot of problems. Because what it seems to suggest is God has foolishness. Uh, are, we, are we together? You see, the foolishness of God. <laughs> you mean God has foolishness. The weakness of God. 
But we know that God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. He's, he he he. His all knowledge. He has all knowledge. <laughs> God is uh, doesn't possess power. He is power itself. Uh, and so this scripture gave me a lot of problems. The foolishness of God. And the weak. No, God cannot have weakness. But it says that the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now I can understand it when he says if you he reads that God is stronger than men. That's fine. But when he says the weakness of God, he has already admitted that God has a weakness. You see, you cannot understand this scripture until you begin to look at it. Uh, um, or you begin to, uh, uh, what informs your understanding of it is covenants. Covenants. You know. In, in the days of, uh, in antiquity, in the days of old, uh, tribes and communities came into covenant with each other, you know. And uh, this is the way uh, that covenants were done, you know. For example, a farming tribe who had no warriors would enter into covenant uh, with, with, with a warring tribe. You know, because you come into convert covenant with a community to compensate for your weakness uh, or to gain the strength that they have. And you find that warrior tribes will also come into covenant with maybe farming communities. Uh, and so it is, it, is, uh, uh, it is not out of place that sometimes you find a farming tribe who have no army saying that we are strong. Why are they saying that? Because they are in covenant with a stronger, uh, we are covenant with a stronger tribe. And you find a warring tribe that have never sown corn or wheat, saying that we have enough food. Why? Because they are in covenant. You see, in covenant, the strength of one becomes the strength of another. The weakness of one becomes the weakness of another. God is in covenant with us. That's why he has weakness and he has foolishness. Are we together? And so actually the foolishness of God is not his. It is the foolishness of those that he is in covenant with. Amen. It is the weakness of those that he is in covenant with. But do you know what this tells me? It tells me that when somebody comes against you, he has come against God. Oh, you didn't hear what I'm talking about. Because I'm in covenant with God, my weakness becomes his weakness. My foolishness becomes his foolishness. And guess what? His strength and his power becomes my power. And so when the Bible says be strong, remember he didn't say be strong of yourself. He says be strong in love and in the power of his might. You see, God likes it when the odds are against you. Because he can show up and then show off. Show off his glory. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> he can show. Hear me. When things are against you and the odds are against you, it is no season for you to be demoralized or be discouraged. It is a season for you to lay on the one whom you are in covenant with. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. Those who know it, know that they are in the miracle zone. Hallelujah. Are you all here with me? When something comes against you, it has come against God. I know somebody says, where does this come from? I'm coming along. I need you to understand that the Easter period is not a period where we get Friday off, we get Monday off. You know, especially in this time that the weather is so nice, uh, we can go ourselves to Bournemouth or we can go ourselves to the beach and enjoy. It is not about that. It is God seeking to get you to understand uh, that because uh, you are in covenant with him, when he laid in the tomb, uh, you laid in the tomb. When he rose up, you rose up uh, with him. When he rose up with authority, that same authority and power is available to you. Uh, 
And therefore, when all the odds are against you, uh, that is when you are your strongest. You are your strongest. You know, the Bible is a book that charts the history of odds and how miracles happen. <laughs> From Genesis to Revelation, there is a thread that runs through. There is no place where the inexplicable had happened where people were not in discomfort. People were not out of their comfort zone. Hear me. You know, this is what Paul said. He said, I rejoice in my infirmities, in my weakness. How can you say that? How can you say that I rejoice in my infirmities? I rejoice when things are not working. Now, that's not natural. We don't rejoice when things are natural. But Paul said, I rejoice when things are not working for me. Then he said, because the power of God is made manifest when all odds are against me. Hear me, I want to bring you to a point to understand that that difficulty that you experience in life, uh, it is placing you in a miracle zone. Yeah. I am here to get you to begin to inform yourself differently from what naturally we are giving and wired to think. Oh yes, the marriage is on the rocks, we will say. And the first thing many will think is uh, getting out of it. But not realizing that they are in a miracle zone. They are in a miracle zone. Who could have, who could have even conceived that a slave nation, a nation that was in servitude under slavery, can outwit and can overcome? <laughs> A civilization that is bigger than them. It is unlikely. It is unlikely. You see, God rejoices in the unlikeliness. When it comes time for God to call disciples, no, this is the one he calls. He calls Peter. They're unlikely. Peter was uncouth. He was raw. He was a fisherman. But that's where God goes. This is what Exodus chapter 1 verses 12 says. It says that as the Egyptians oppressed the Israelites, the more they multiplied. Oh my goodness. <laughs> are you hearing? Are you seeing what I'm seeing? The more they, when you are oppressed, you don't flourish. It's an unlikely position to be in. But because... God works in the unlikely situation. Who could have thought that these same Israelites who were making bricks out of mud and straw would outwork a civilization of its monuments and its mummies and its strength. And they did not only get out of Egypt, they did not get out with their possessions, they got out with the riches of the Egypt. Talk about the unlikely, talk about the odds that were against them. Hear me today, if you want any, to know anything about Egypt and its power, you only see it in museums. Yeah, yeah. In museums. And uh, that pyramid that is there. But if you want the culture of Israel, as was then, you go to Israel, they're still there. They're still living there. Ah, <laughs> oh, God is awesome. But you need to be in your discomfort zone. You need to be in your discomfort zone. Talk about Esther. I'm just taking you through the Bible, yeah? Talk about Esther. How could an exile become a queen in another nation? How can it happen? And how can even that queen, Esther, 
save his people from genocide. Because you see, the laws of the Medes and the Persians, the Bible says it doesn't change. Did you read there in Daniel? It says it doesn't change. Whenever they make a law, that law doesn't change. And so Esther could not appear before the king without being invited. But guess what? The odds are against well, against her, but she walked to the king anyway. And as unlikely as it was, the king stretched forth his scepter to say, I have accepted you. Out of your debts, out of your wits, you are in the miracle zone. That is where God will show up. Oh, you didn't hear what I'm talking about. That is where God will show up. When the odds are against you. Do you want me to talk about Abraham? It is unlikely for a 75-year-old man to have a son. Likely. Now, he was even 100 when he had a son. And an 80-year-old woman to, oh, yeah, let, let the fertility experts just explain that to me. It's impossible. It's impossible. But that is the zone in which God works. It is the zone in which God works. Hallelujah, somebody. Oh, is somebody here with me? Are you excited as I am? I said, are you excited as I am? Are you beginning to see that when things go awry, God is pushing you into a zone where you will see his glory. That is what I call the miracle zone. How could a prisoner become a prime minister? How could an ex-convict become the leader of a nation? Today, the politicians, they try to cover up the past. Because any uncovering of it means no vote, uh, vote of no confidence, you know. Now, this guy is not even an Egyptian. <laughs> he doesn't have Egyptian, an Egyptian passport. You don't have an Egyptian passport. And you are a prisoner. And your crime... It's not parking tickets. <laughs> Your crime is that you have had an affair with the minister of defense. <laughs> you are not coming out of jail. No parole for you. You are staying there the rest of your life. Minutes before Joseph comes out of that prison, these were the things that were hanging around his neck. It is an unlikely situation. It's an unlikely situation. But that is where God works. <laughs> In five or 15 minutes, the prisoner had become the prime minister. And Pharaoh had said, get him to ride in the second chariot. It is like the queen saying that you see that golden chariot I bring out at my golden jubilee and that go and ride in that one. It's an unlikely one. But that is how God works. That is how God works. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Now, I need to go back to Revelation. Otherwise, you say I quoted Revelation and I never preach from it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Revelation. <laughs> Revelations chapter 17. Now, this is the picture that I want you to see. A beast that has seven heads. And each head has ten horns. Now, <laughs> talk about a formidable creature. Yeah? 
it is possible that those heads were snapping at each other. You know, just picture it. This is a beast. We don't know whether the horns were twisted, they were straight. We don't know what kind of horns they were. But whatever John saw was a real beast. <laughs> and I want you to see who this beast is fighting. A lamb. <laughs> a lamb. Are you here with me? This beast is fighting a lamb. Or rather, a lamb is taking on this beast. You see, lamb, lamb is a baby sheep. And there's nothing as cuddly as... You know, if you see one, you want to put them in your bag and take them home. They are so innocent and defenseless. <laughs> now, now, picture this. This is a boxing match. It's going to be a fight. And in the red corner... Weighing two tons with seven heads and each head with ten horns is the beast. Mm -hmm. And in the blue corner, weighing next to nothing, <laughs> is the lamp. And Eric going to fight. You see, if I ask you, place your bet. <laughs> on who is going to win. No. Just straightforward. The beast. Because one swipe of the beast's tail will just finish the lamb. But the Bible says the beast made war against the lamb. An unlikely and an impossible thing. The odds are against the lamb. But the lamb overcame. I am here to tell you that you would overcome. I'm here to announce to you <laughs> that you would overcome. The odds may be against you. Hear me, somebody. You know, everything may seem not to have work. But when God is with you, you are in covenant with God. Look at what verses 14 says in Revelation, Revelation 17. Put the 14 on there for me. It says, these will make war with the lamb, and the lamb would overcome them. It's very simple. The lamb will overcome them. Picture Jesus in a grave. He had said it is finished. He died on the cross. They put him in and they wrapped him. You know, around this, they wrap these clothes around him and put him in a tomb. Seal the tomb. It's no reason. Well, there's, uh, there's a reason for why the disciples just, they all just ran off. Because their hero was gone. The miracle worker. The one who walked on the water. Who could walk on the sea and steal the storms. He's gone. How likely is he to rise up? But the lamb would overcome the beast. Oh, somebody say the lamb would overcome the beast. Oh, I didn't hear you say the lamb would overcome the beast. The lamb would overcome the beast. Because of the resurrection, you would make it against all odds. Oh, you didn't hear me. I don't know where you are, but you are in a miracle zone. <laughs> I don't know where life has pushed you. <laughs> I don't know how many odds you are looking at at the, at the moment. Uh, where they have said that it is done with you. You're, you're, you're finished. Your career is gone. If you have that record, it's finished. Uh, but I tell you, you are in the miracle zone. You see where every publisher said they are not going to publish this book. They have all told you. What are you talking about? But I'm telling you, that is the book that is going to outsell, uh, uh, what is it? Is it Potter? Something, Beatrice Potter or something? What was that? Harry Potter. That's the one. He's going to outsell that one. Are you here with me? God has specialized 
in making the unlikely so that he will get the glory. He will get the glory. Uh, is somebody ready for glory? Is somebody ready for God to reveal his glory? Is somebody in the, in the miracle zone? Hear me, somebody? The business may be down on its knees. But I'm here to announce to you. Because Jesus rose from the dead. He rose in the grave. He overcame death. There is nothing in life that cannot be overcome. Are you here with me? Oh, you didn't hear me. There is nothing in life that cannot be overcome. Death. <laughs> Death is the ultimate enemy. Man has tried to overcome death. They could have scientifically, whatever, they've done it. So now they are looking at how to prolong life. That's how they look at it. They have accepted that death is the final nail. But hear me, Jesus overcome death to tell you that the ultimate enemy has been overcome. So every other thing can be overcome. Hallelujah. Lift up your right hand and say he is risen. Say he is risen. So I can also rise. He has overcome. So I can also overcome. Now, now I like you to look at this. He says, for he is king of kings and lord of lords. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Are you with him? Or are you with him? Are you with him? Are you with the lamb? Are you with the lamb? He's called the lion of the tribe of Judah. But when he's taking on the beast, he appears as a lamb. Because there's every possibility that the lion can overcome the beast. But he wants to show you. Against all odds, you will make it. Put your hands together. Give it to Jesus. He's worthy. Come on, put your hands together. If you believe that against all odds, you're going to make it. When you believe that uh, in the unlikely situations, uh, in the situation, if you believe that I need you uh, to stand up with me as you keep clapping to your king, uh, as you keep clapping to demonstrate that you are with the lamb, uh, as you keep clapping to demonstrate that you are with the lamb, I am with the lamb, I am with the lamb, and we will win, and we will win. The victory is mine. The victory is mine because I'm in covenant with the lamb. My weakness will not have the better of me. I will ride upon the strength of my king. I am in covenant with him. Hallelujah.